Wild Rose Casino and Hotel presents Great White. It's Great White, March 26th at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel in Clinton. Tickets on sale now. Get yours at the Iowa store inside the casino or at wildroseresorts.com. Great White at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Clinton. You'd rather be here. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. That was not a lot of fun, was it, Hawkeye fans? Uh, condolences to all of you on the end of the sprint or the uh, winter athletic season uh, in Hawkeye country. Uh, I am Rob Howe, and this is the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. We are recording on Tuesday, March the 22nd, uh, 11.45-ish a.m. Central Time. Uh, my sons, our oldest, 17th. 17th birthday today. So happy birthday to my boy. Um, hard to believe we've gotten to this point. Uh, as parents out there listening, no, it's, uh, it's, it's an adventure, uh, a really great one. And uh, I was told, I think Phil Hattie is one that I remember, uh, former Iowa sports information director, told me uh, shortly after my son was born 17 years ago, um, to enjoy every moment because it goes fast and uh he was right on and he wasn't the only one that told me that and i've told other parents that and they just look at me and they're like god these days are long when they're young and they can be at times but uh overall it goes pretty quick so um enjoy time with your family and your kids uh it goes quick and uh that's my reflection for the day uh my wisdom for the day uh I will be 55 in June, so have a little bit of wisdom, not a ton, but uh, appreciate all you guys listening to the podcast today and uh, throughout the uh, fall and winter, um, kind of the end of the, you know, revenue sports, marquee sports season, if you will. Uh, we do have spring football that started this week, so we'll have coverage of that here for the next month or so. If you have not heard, April 23rd is the date of the spring game slash open practice at Kinnick Stadium, uh, set to begin at 9.45 a.m. Uh, interesting time, uh, but that is on 
Saturday, April the 23rd, uh, about a month away, 9.45 a.m. Central Time. You can get out there, get a look at the Hawkeyes this spring. First real look, first public look at the 2022 Iowa Hawkeye football team. Um, not sure if they're doing the autograph thing for kids. Uh, that was not available last year. I don't even remember if they did a open practice last year um, with COVID. Uh, that was kind of right around the time that people were getting vaccinated. So not sure on that. Uh, things have opened up quite a bit this year. So, And obviously they're letting the public in. So they may allow some interaction with the players. We'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, stay tuned. We'll bring you that information on the podcast and on the website and all that stuff. But um, have some questions in the queue for today. Uh, in review, if you have not heard, uh, the Iowa men's basketball team was eliminated. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this, but just kind of uh, setting up some of the questions. Uh, in the first round, uh, Hawks were a five seed, lost to Richmond, a 12 seed. Richmond uh, went on to get pounded by the four seed Providence, and Providence will play Kansas in the Sweet 16. Uh, the Iowa women. Uh, won its first round game against uh, Iowa women's basketball team, won its first round game against Illinois State on Friday, and then fell in a heartbreaker to Creighton on Sunday in the round of 32. Creighton moves on to play Iowa State. That could have been an Iowa-Iowa State matchup, which would have brought a lot of hype this week in the state, but unfortunately that did not Developed as we had hoped, Iowa wrestling finishes third last weekend in Detroit at the national tournament. Um, Jacob Warner, uh, runner-up at 197. Austin DeSanto takes third at 133. Those were the top Iowa finishers. Uh, Iowa loses uh, quite a bit from the team, so we'll kind of see how that that shakes out next year in terms of – you know, what that, that team is going to look like going to be going to be a lot of change in Iowa wrestling. Um, But we'll see. Um, Spencer Lee will come back. So that's exciting. So Iowa baseball uh, defeated then number 12, Texas tech on Sunday, six to three after losing the opener on Saturday, Friday's first game was washed out. Um, And beat St. Thomas came from behind to beat St. Thomas yesterday. Uh, has a game scheduled tomorrow, but it's a little little leaky in Iowa City today, and rain's supposed to continue tomorrow, so not sure the midway week game will happen. Uh, Hawks scheduled to host Central Michigan this coming weekend in baseball over at Banks Field and for, as part of the seven-game homestand, uh, which will run Friday through Sunday. So check your local listings for uh, times on those. But let's jump into questions here. Um, Andy Paul rules from March 17th, uh, St. Patrick's day, which I believe was, uh, the date Iowa lost, correct. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, I think that was St. Patrick's day. I may have my dates off a little bit, but, uh, Andy checking in, uh, on Thursday is a good reminder for the PSA of if anyone out there listening, uh, has a question or a comment that, they want me to, he or she wants me to address on the podcast. Uh, it's 
hashtag HFmail um, anytime between the time you're listening to this podcast and the next time that I record one, which will be a week from today. Uh, and kind of was thinking today about, you know, maybe making the, the mailbags every other week uh, during the non football men's basketball portion. I may run through spring football here and then move to, to some other podcasts on Tuesday. Um, uh, Substance before style podcast, maybe get some interviews with some people from uh, with, with Iowa's athletic ties that I, I've been meaning to speak to, or maybe who I think would be good interview um, subjects for the podcast. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. But um, yes, anytime between now and the next time I record a mailbag podcast, it's cast is hashtag HF mail. Uh, use that, send them my way on Twitter, uh, and I will get to them the next time I record. As Andy Paul Rules on Twitter, Andy Paul Rules one on Twitter. Is there a good reason why the conference tournament finals can't be held on Saturday before selection Sunday? In my opinion, this affected Iowa against Richmond. Not making excuses because because Richmond did the same thing. Uh, is there a good reason? Uh, the only reason is TV and money. Uh, CBS pays a lot of money to the Big Ten to have that game leading into selection, the selection process on, or this, the selection reveal, I should say, the revealing of the bracket. Uh, that leads right into it. People watch that game getting ready, um, you know, tuning in. Maybe they're, maybe only watch the second half because they're tuning in to watch the brackets or whatever. Um, you know, and there's the excitement of that. That's why it's done. Um, I guess the Big Ten would have to weigh uh, if it's worth it for its teams that win the Big Ten tournament. It was Illinois last year got knocked out in the first round. Um, but like you said, Richmond did the same thing. And they're, you know, its game was played right before the Iowa game on that Sunday. So that it had, you know, maybe two more hours of rest. Uh, didn't travel you know, but Virginia to Buffalo is, is a trip as is Iowa city and they charter. So probably not a lot of difference in travel. Um, so yeah, that was not an excuse, but I know there's been some, you know, buzz conversation about moving that. Um, I don't see it happening. I think the big 10 likes and CBS, the partnership, they like having that game. Um, but maybe, maybe the big 10 should ask for some more money from CBS if they want to keep it there. Um, but I sure, I'm sure there would be other uh, conferences more than willing to jump in. The Big East plays Saturday night. The ACC, I believe, plays that Saturday. Um, other big con- – I forget when uh, the Big 12, I think that's played on Saturday. Most of them were played on Saturday. Pac-12, I think if the Big Ten were to vacate that, that um, window – on the Sunday before the brackets are released, I think you would have the other conferences lining up uh, to move into that slot. So a lot of money involved there. And that's what makes, uh, that's what makes the NCAA go round uh, as, as their member schools uh, look for as much money as possible. So that uh, that's my answer on that one, Andy. Um, But if teams have to play on Sunday, couldn't they at least be guaranteed playing a Friday game again, TV. Uh, TV decides when teams and are going to play. The, the NCAA places them uh, in different, the different locations, 
and then TV decides when and where they want to uh, to broadcast those games. So um, I'm not sure that that concession will be made for Iowa or the AAC or the is the AAC played on Sunday? I think it's the early game on Sunday, and then uh, and then you have the uh, A10, which is right before the Big Ten. So. I don't think there's going to be concessions made there. You want the money, you get uh, you get told where to go and when to play. That's pretty much how it goes. Thanks, Andy, for the question. Uh, DC Hawk at DC Hawk uh, shot this in before I actually asked and solicited questions yesterday, about 20 hours ago, so uh, yesterday morning. Uh, seems like one possible takeaway from staff changes on offense could be that Kirk thinks the scheme is okay and that they need better recruits. Hence, bring in another young coach to hit the recruiting trail. We'll see. I mean, and this is uh, from DC Hawk at DC underscore Hawk six, certainly a possibility and it can't hurt recruiting to have Abdul Hodge involved. Um, I guess we'll see how much that changes Iowa's overall recruiting. It's ranking it's, it's year to year. uh, You know what the trends are, things like that. Um, I think Ken O'Keefe was a pretty good recruiter. Um, so, and I know he's a little older, maybe the younger guy gets a little bit more active and gets out there on the road a little bit more and maybe connections in Florida where he's from and some other uh, recruiting windows that may open up. But Ken was really good in the New England area. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Iowa can stay in that area. Um, you know, Iowa landed uh, a recruit from out in New Jersey who plays in a prep league that, that um, Ken O'Keefe is familiar uh, with recruiting. Uh, so interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see kind of how things shake out, but that's a possibility. I think moreover uh, is that uh, Kirk felt like the quarterback coach should, the offensive coordinator should be the quarterback coach. And that was what his setup was through the first 19 years, 18 years of him coaching, head, being the head coach at Iowa football. Then he decided to make his son the offensive coordinator. He didn't have, you know, experience with quarterbacks admitted. He admitted on, you know, in his introductory press conference as offensive coordinator, Brian said that he doesn't feel comfortable coaching quarterbacks. And now he's had five years to learn under Ken O'Keefe on how to coach quarterbacks. So you hope that that has rubbed off and he's able to do that job. But obviously the uh, microscope is, uh, Definitely zoomed in on Brian. It's been pretty uh, magnified. And now, you know, it's going to be magnified even more moving forward now that he's in charge of the quarterbacks uh, and the offense. So uh, you hope the benefit of that DC is that moving forward, uh, Abdul can help in recruiting and we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, Liddell was added to the staff last year um, and then he helped, uh, in Florida a little bit, maybe um, Abdul Ken as well. We'll kind of see where it goes from there. But uh, interesting thought, and I certainly don't think that that hurts. Uh, e at MBA underscore fan underscore 2014 has some questions. Will Iowa get further in March Madness next year? Um, well, all they would have to do is get there and uh, win a game. And that would be farther than this year. Um, but the goal is that Sweet 16. That's uh, that's the drought that has been extended uh, going back to 1999. And uh, one where it looked like Iowa 
had an opportunity to end the drought uh, and did not. Uh, but I think Iowa has an NCAA tournament team next year. Loses Keegan, but a lot of talent coming back, a lot of experience. Uh, I think it has the, an opportunity to make the tournament next year. Um, will it be better positioned, you know, as a five seed? Uh, maybe not, but maybe it gets a matchup that's more advantageous uh, and plays better. So I think that the chances are good, E, that Iowa can go farther next year, maybe to the 32. Maybe it breaks the the long drought of the Sweet 16. But um, I think we all kind of had expectations on what we thought the team could do this year. It exceeded them in terms of regular season and postseason conference tournament and then fell short in the NCAA. Get back up on the horse next year and, and see how far you can go. Uh, will any other Iowa players declare for the NBA or WNBA? I don't believe so, uh, particularly with the WNBA. I think Iowa's going to be uh, – the Iowa women are going to be what it looks like, um, you know, what it looked like uh, on Sunday in the, in the finale against Creighton. Uh, it will look a lot like ne- a lot next year. Uh, I think um, Cook is done. Who else is done? Is there anybody else? I think the starting five is back. Uh, Taiwo might be a senior. I, I'm not sure. I, and I, I apologize. I'm bad with keeping track of these after COVID. But Iowa has pretty much its nucleus, its starting five, uh, most of the rotation back. Um, so should be, uh, should be well positioned next year to, to make a run and hopefully host again and maybe build on what it did this year. Um, I think Keegan is gone. I've been consistent with that. I just don't see how you come back as a top 10 pick. It just is goes against all conventional wisdom. Uh, it just doesn't happen. Uh, maybe he's a extreme outlier, uh, but he'll be 23. Uh, he's three years out of high school will be the oldest player uh, projected to go in the lottery. Um, a lot of money that money's guaranteed in the first round of the NBA. I know, his dad, Kenyon, has said money won't be a factor. Uh, that's a lot of money. And uh, I, I think it's something you have to consider. We see injuries happen all the time. And you can get insurance for that, but not to cover a contract uh, as big as he's going to get. So I just don't see it. I think he's gone. I think uh, I think Chris Murray probably tests the NBA draft process. I could see maybe Patrick testing that process. Uh, those guys are all, you know, uh, three years out of high school. So you go and you go through the process, most likely come back, but you get that feedback, you get that experience. Wieskamp did it. Peter Jock did it. Garza did it. A lot of guys do it and come back. Um, can't remember if Utah did it. I think he did, but you just go through the process and, and it's, it's a benefit. It's a resource. Uh, why not take advantage of it? But I think Keegan will be the only guy uh, on the men's or women's side that end up declaring and staying in the draft. Uh, did losing in the first round change Keegan's draft stock or is it still he, or is it still a first round pick? He's definitely a first round pick and he's most likely top 10, potentially top five um, once he works out and meets with teams and people get it, you know, and scouts and player personnel. Uh, departments in the NBA get a chance to meet the kid. He, he's, he's not only a first round pick, he's a top 10 pick. 
he didn't have his greatest game against Richmond, but it also wasn't a disaster. Um, he scored 21 points on a on an okay. He had a, a very good game. He didn't have a great game. Uh, maybe if he does, they win. Uh, but he was not the reason that they lost. Um, reason they lost is overall they did not shoot the ball very well, uh, and that happens. But, uh, yeah, I don't think his draft stock was dinged at all by one game in the tournament. I think he uh, showed what he could do over a four-day uh, four games and four days span in the uh, in Indianapolis and plenty of scouts were there. Um, his stock to me did not get dinged at all by what happened uh, in the NCAA tournament. What should Fran and Lisa Bloder focus, focus on strengthening next season? Um, it's a good question uh, for both. I think it's rebounding. Uh, blue, um, the Iowa women was out rebound, were out rebounded. Uh, 52-37, I believe. I don't have the box score in front, front of me. Um, uh, for against Creighton on Sunday, that was huge and didn't shoot the ball well. I don't really think either that there just needs to be host, wholesale changes to what either one of these coaches do with their systems. Both had a bad shooting day, picked the wrong day to have a bad shooting day. Um, either one, either one shoots just you know a little bit better, they probably advance. Um, who knows what happens in the next round, but just shoot the ball a little bit better. Uh, and they both just picked awful times to have bad shooting days um, from some key players. So not a whole lot there, um, but rebounding is key. Um, I think for both is to develop some of the, their younger players, uh, particularly for the men. Um, uh, more than the women, because as I said, a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, most of the rotation is coming back for the women. So yeah, you want to you want to develop kids like Addison O'Grady, you know, and some of the younger kids that were kind of just bitter role players this year here and there. Um, but really, you just want to um, kind of develop some of those younger players so they can, uh, and then your incoming players incorporate them into what. Uh, you're trying to do and into your system for the men it's the development of Riley Mulvey and Joshua Gundale. I think we saw at times this year I really could have used that inside presence uh, Philip Robracha was overmatched at times worked his ass off but just from a size standpoint just you know it was tough for him to to match up so I think the development of those big guys and if you don't feel like those guys are in position to be what you need them to be next season in terms of contributions, then you maybe hit the transfer portal and uh, figure out um, if, if you can find a big body inside. But my guess is a lot of schools are going to be looking for that. So it's usually a seller's market, the sellers being the players rather than the buyers, which are the programs, the college programs. Uh, so that's when you see, you know, a kid, maybe go from a, a mid-major school to a Kentucky or a North Carolina or Kansas or something like that is oftentimes um, based on, you know, supply and demand. And uh, that's kind of where things go at this time of year. So, and for the men figuring out how to replace Keegan Murray is going to be huge. Um, how do you do that? So those are some initial thoughts. E, I'll have some more as we go through the off season. Uh, Jake Markham at jmarkham1337 on Twitter. Should Jordan have his jersey retired? 
Um, that's a good question, Jake. Um, I'm kind of torn on this one just because, you know, I, I think you need to compare him to other players and maybe prorate his stats um, compared to what other players did maybe in four years to what he did in six. And can you say, you know, his impact on the program was more than Devin Marble or Matt Gatons or Jeff Horner or Greg Bruner? You know, if, if you're going to do it with Jordan, is he, a, he is, is he above all those other guys? Um, I think you need to have comparable guys up there. The guys that are up there um, had credentials. There's a, um, and I don't have in front of me again, what the uh, criteria is for this, but Jordan was never first team, all big 10. Uh, I don't know if he was second team, all big 10. He may have been third team one year. Um, and a lot of the criteria is, you know, all conference, um, all American, things like that. So I'm not sure he meets the criteria. Um, and I know guys like Jeff Horner and Bruner and Utah and Peter Jock and, you know, Matt Gatons, I, I think from the criteria standpoint, just based on postseason honors and recognition, most of those guys probably have a better case than Jordan, but it's interesting. It's, it's not easy because of the impact that he had uh, the free throw um, consecutive free throw streak and how that went down. Um, some of the, the moments he had that are memorable. Um, but I think you need to step back from recency bias and maybe compare him to other guys throughout the program's history who did some great things and how he matches up with them. Uh, I don't think it happens in a vacuum, but definitely an interesting case. And one, I, I think a question that will be asked and discussed quite a bit moving forward. Uh, what are your thoughts on officiating in college basketball? I talked about this with my friend Todd Brown camp on uh, KGYM yesterday. I don't know what's going on, but it's really taking away from the game. Um, I don't know if it's training. Uh, I don't know if it's a reliance on replay. Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, but there needs to be more consistency. Uh, there needs to be more. Um, yeah, I would say consistency is a big one. And then also just, you know, a focus on, and I don't even think it's overly, I don't think it's unfair. I, I think it's just bad, uh, bad calls both ways. Um, and I think it takes away from the game. The stoppages on the replay are just, it, it, they're, crippling to the point where you're like, okay, I was into this game and I know the fans and the players probably feel the same way that are there. It's just like, God, there's this long stoppage. I know you want to get the call right, but you're relying on that system. And maybe that's got the men and women who officiate um, just shy to make the right calls or know that they can fall back on that or, I mean, the, the technical on the rim hang the other day, I think that was in the Illinois game, was ridiculous. Uh, there have just been some really bad, bad calls. So I think as much money as we talked about earlier from TV that's coming into the NCAA, they need to find a way uh, to improve the officiating overall. Um, and it does get magnified in the NCAA tournament. A lot of people that aren't regular 
uh, viewers of the sport that are viewing because they're filling out a tournament bracket. And, you know, and, and that's a good thing. More people are getting into it at this time of year. It magnifies the deficiencies in officiating. So hopefully that shines enough um, light on the issue that it's addressed. I'm not sure how you address it. I'm not sure how you fix it. Uh, but it's something that needs to be looked at because it needs to be better. Uh, should the Big Ten play less conference games? Um, you're going to play the you're going to play the same amount of games anyway, and I would rather see them play in conference than play, you know, a, 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 maybe one of those two games that you take. If you go back to 18 or 16 or however you want to pair it back, tell me what those games are going to be for Iowa particularly. Am I seeing more of what the non-conference was this year, or am I seeing, you know, Marquette or Missouri or uh, Kansas or Kansas State or somebody in the region that's going to, you know, or a marquee matchup with somebody out west, a Gonzaga like Iowa played last year. Or, I, I like the 20 conference games, Jake. I really do. I think it, it's a better indication of who is the best team at the end of the year. And even then, even with only 20, um, you're missing, you know, eight, you still have eight single plays. Is that right? I think that's right. My math, if my math is correct, with 14 teams in the league, you're still not getting the exact, you know, the, the schedules are still unbalanced to the point where teams get, teams may have advantages. You don't know those going in before the season because it's tough to predict. You know, Iowa, I think, was predict ninth and Wisconsin 10th this year, uh, and both were in the top five uh, at the end of the year. So you can't – trying to balance the schedules based on how you expect things to go, is it's impossible. So that I get. Um, and so at the end of the year, if people are complaining that, you know, this team had an easier schedule, I, I don't think it was uh, – constructed in a way to make it that that way. Um, it's just the way it goes. So I'm, I, I like the 10 conference games, to be honest with you. Should the Big Ten change the Big Ten tourney? Uh, that was a question asked earlier uh, by D.C. or no. Um, Andy, Andy Paul, I think, asked the, the, uh, the question about the Big Ten tourney. Money, CBS, I don't see it changing. I just don't. Um, I could be wrong on this. Maybe if there's enough pushback from the coaches, but usually when there's pushback from the coaches, you get the conference saying, Hey, here's, here's the bottom line. Here's the money. Here's the ledger. Um, if you do this, you're taking this away and that's going to cost you. So most times the, the schools and the athletic directors aren't going to go for that. Um, and again, I just, I don't think it's that big of a factor. I really don't. Maybe I think it's again, to use the word magnified, I think it's a little bit more uh, fresh in our minds now because of what we saw with Iowa and Richmond. But again, Richmond had about two hours more rest, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that, but not a lot. So, you know, there are teams that play in that first four that end up getting through uh, to the Sweet 16 or last year UCLA to the final four. So uh, young guys, I think they can handle it. Um, and I'm okay with it being the lead into uh, the, you know, the, the bracket. I, I think it's good for the exposure of the league. I think that outweighs the potential of teams being tired. 
because I just I'm, I don't think that that's the deciding factor in most cases. Can be here and there, but I don't think it's consistently uh, the reason seniors don't advance. Uh, I sorry, I should have probably read the rest. Maybe move the championship game to Saturday. Who do you think is going to win it all? I picked Kentucky, Jake. So what do I know? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with my second pick. Uh, I had Kentucky and Kansas in the final. Uh, I'll go with Kansas at this point. Uh, balanced team, good defense, good offense, uh, very well tested in a good league. Uh, I'll stick with Kansas, but ask me next week before the final four. And uh, I, I obviously uh, I'll know if Kansas is still in there. If they are, I'll stick with them. If not, I'll uh, I'll change my tune. But thanks for the questions, Jake. Appreciate it. Uh, sit down at Love the Hawks on Twitter. Most disappointing ending: Iowa football, men's basketball, women's basketball, wrestling, or Game of Thrones. Uh, Scott Dockerman will appreciate this. Uh, he and I haven't talked about Game of Thrones a whole lot, but uh, no, I, I'm a huge fan of that show. I didn't mind the ending of that. I'm kind of, I, I, I'm probably in the minority on that. Uh, kind of like I was in, in the final episodes of Seinfeld. I was okay with how those shows ended, but I know to each his own, um, and everybody kind of has a uh, opinion on that. So the Game of Thrones, from a personal standpoint, would not be up with the other ones. Um, I think it's probably women's basketball, and the reason why is you're a two seed at home against the ten seed, um, and I know there are some some factors there. Uh, Creighton is the quote unquote secret scrimmage uh partner before the season. They for those that don't know that are listening, uh Iowa and Creighton meet up every year to scrimmage against each other. Uh it's a closed scrimmage. So they probably know each other a little bit that way. And maybe that's kind of like the primetime league effect where you and I was playing in the primetime league. They know how Iowa guys play. They know uh, it, it builds confidence that they can play with the Iowa guys because they're playing with them in a summer league. Not that they don't believe that anyway, but I think it helps a little bit from a tendency standpoint, but um, Iowa football, I think was an underdog against Kentucky. Uh, very disappointing ending. The, and I would, I would lump the Michigan the Kentucky games in there, the Big Ten Championship and the Capital One Bowl. I think you combine those two as an ending because that's the postseason. Men's basketball, women's basketball, they both won their conference tournaments. Women's basketball won the regular season. Uh, men's basketball finished fifth above what it was supposed to do. But I think you judge it on the NCAA tournament for the men and women and then for football the Big Ten Championship, and the Capital One Bowl. And if I'm weighing all of those, I'm going to go with women's basketball because that uh, that's an opportunity. You're playing at home. You're the only one of the three that were playing at home. Uh, and it was loud in there Sunday, uh, as loud as I've ever heard a women's basketball game. Uh, I mean, it was loud to the point of it sounded like a men's when, – when the men fill the place or wrestling, uh, it was in that area. I, I'm not good at – you know, quantifying which one was the loudest. It was just loud. Um, so uh, just had a, just really a disappointing setback for them. And again, at a time when, uh, you know, um, yeah, uh, 
just an inopportune time to really not shoot the ball well and get out rebounded like that. But uh, all very disappointing sit down, just uh, really unfortunate ways to end the season. Um, Hopefully uh, some of the spring sports can uh, capture um, some attention and, and have some success. Um, and I should say the, the, I believe the women's and the women's gymnastics team is still competing, um, as a winter sport. Uh, so, um, and I think it did, I think the, the, it did pretty well at the big tens last week, but maybe I'll look into that a little bit more and hit on that next week, but check that out on hawkeyesports.com. Thanks for the question. Sit down, but ask me a different time and I maybe, uh, would switch to the other, one of the other two. Uh, but I'll go with women's basketball for now. Uh, Laneson family at family Laneson on Twitter. Uh, which of the following is more likely to occur in the next 10 years? Cleveland Guardians win the World Series or Iowa men's basketball makes the Sweet 16. Um, trying to think about Cleveland Guardians. Uh, they have a decent minor league system. They have some pieces down there. They usually always seem to produce pitching, find pitching, develop pitching. Uh, so that always gives you a chance. Um, but for my sanity, as I said, I'll be 55 this summer. If I'm still fortunate enough to be doing this for over the next 10 years, I would really like to cover a sweet 16. Um, it would be wonderful. Uh, back in 99, I was the second man on the Iowa Men's basketball beat, I covered quite a bit of that season, um, home and away, but um, did not get to go to the Sweet 16 in Denver. Um, that's a sore subject with me. I got, kind of got bumped off uh, by somebody else who got to go. Two people went, and I wasn't one of them. But uh, I've, I've come to terms with that. Uh, I, I'm at peace with that. It still sticks in my craw a little, but uh, – Definitely would like to get a chance to cover a Sweet 16 uh, Elite Eight type weekend, uh, and then a Final Four. Uh, I think that would be great. But uh, I'm going to go with the. I'm going to stay positive here and local with the Iowa men's basketball team making the Sweet 16. Um, I, I, uh, winning the World Series, uh, Cleveland is in a rebuild. So who knows how long it's going to take to get that rebuild put together. Um, but it's also in a crappy division, so I could see that being the case. So good question, Lanes and uh, family. I am. Uh, I think it's the first time that uh, you've asked a question. Don't be a stranger. Appreciate everybody else's questions as well. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to get to uh, some of the questions for the people that don't use hashtag, like Pat Hardy. Um, <laughs> but I'll start with. Again, hashtag HF mail. I usually, that's what I, those are the questions I start with. I uh, check that hashtag, go back, look for the latest. It takes me back to who asked the questions last uh, that I got to last and that I was able to get to in the last podcast and kind of, then I go to the the folks that haven't used the hashtag, but uh, JK Hawkeye at JK Hawkeye 71. What does it take for the Hawkeye fans to one? What does it take for the Hawkeye fans to one get over the postseason in the main four sports, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, and wrestling? 
Um, um, I, I don't know if you're asking um, what, what does it take for the fans to, to come to terms with those endings? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I like to say on here, I am not an Iowa fan as a member of the media. Um, I don't regularly or hardly at all wear Iowa gear. Uh, I am somebody who is pleased when Iowa does well because I know how much work the student athletes put into the programs uh, year round and I enjoy seeing them have success. Uh, but I also need to have some objectivity in my job and uh, that's what I try to do. So it's kind of how I explain that. So it's hard for me to kind of ask, answer your question, JK. Probably the best way I can answer it is it's probably up to the individual. Uh, there are probably people that carried around a little bit longer than others. Some people are able to just kind of move on. Uh, and my kids are Iowa fans, um, especially uh, my son with Iowa basketball uh, and our youngest with Iowa women's basketball. I took her to the game Sunday, uh, but they both seem to have gotten over it pretty quickly. Um, and my middle child, she's, eh, Iowa does well. It's nice because um, she has friends that are Iowa fans, but she likes to play more than watch. So uh, that's kind of where she comes down. So it's hard for me to really answer that question again, JK. Uh, it's up to the individual how to get over it and how long it takes. Uh, I would uh, I would hope with it hopefully warming up soon and being springtime, people will get out, do yard work, go for walks, things like that, and kind of move on and look forward to the next year because uh, hope springs eternal. And hopefully next year. Uh, and there were a lot of good memories for all of those sports this year um, during the season. But we uh, we tend to focus on how things ended. So uh, hopefully uh, things go better in the postseason next year. Um, that's the hope anyway. Uh, when does the appreciation for what happened in these seasons take over from rough way they ended? probably should have read both of those questions from JK at the same time. That's again, I think it's up to the individual. Um, I have the ability uh, um, and I appreciate this from a journalistic standpoint to compartmentalize these things. I can look at what happened in the postseason, but then also focus on some of those high points during the season. Uh, that was just a, um, I hadn't covered a big 10 men's tournament championship from Iowa from an Iowa team since 06. So getting to go through that again in Indianapolis the, this year will always be a memory I have. And for those fans that were there, I think that memory is a little stronger. And for those fans that watched it on TV and really enjoyed it, really got into it. I don't think that memory goes away. I think you try to find a balance there of saying, you know, 2006, 2020, or 2006 and 2022, man, win the Big Ten tournament, that was fun. But then you also look at it um, and say, you know, upset in the tournament, NCAA tournament is, is going to live with you. And it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away for those players. So it's a matter of finding the balance, JK. And uh, I think, again, not to cop out, but it's up to the individual uh, how he or she processes the uh, disappointment, so to speak. So you can mourn, but you got to move on at some point. 
Um, and then we'll finish up with Pat Hardy at Pat Hardy on Twitter, uh, the owner of Hawk Fanatic, who I, for whom I do this podcast, record this podcast, uh, and then also uh, the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast with scott doctorman and uh should be able to do that at regular time on thursday that's the bonus i guess for uh for the uh the elimination of iowa's winter sports teams uh it opens up the schedule again for podcasting uh, i'm sure we would have rather worked around uh competition but at any rate thursday you can uh, hop on this feed and check out the hawkeye hotspot podcast usually have that up by noon um Pat Hardy has best Hawkeye name, Shante Brooks, Candy LaPrince, Torque Hook, or Epinesa Epinesa. Looks like we've had some uh, some uh, other uh, nominations from people on Twitter. Uh, J.C. Love Jordan, Wayman King, Trey Bullet, Marvin McNutt, a couple of Marvin McNutts, a couple of J.C. Love Jordans. Um, well, I think he was the most mentioned. Uh, I'm going with Epinesa, Epinesa. You just, you have a person who's has the first and uh, last name the same. I just, and, and the fact that Hayden called them repeat, I think that plays into it, but all of these are really good nominations and I know Epi. So that kind of uh, uh, influences my decision here, but I, but Epinesa, Epinesa, Hayden calling him repeat, getting to know his kids, I think that's an easy one for me, but also uh, appreciate the other candidates that were mentioned. Uh, I'm sure other people would have uh, different, and obviously from the feedback we've gotten on Twitter, uh, people have different opinions on that, but good question. Uh, creative question. Always appreciate where Pat's coming from on those. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's everything we have in the queue from uh, prior to today and today. So appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed their spring break uh, and are getting, getting through the post spring break week, which is often tough. It's tough for my family uh, as well, but uh, hopefully everybody has a good rest of their week and thank you for the questions and thank you for listening to the Hawk fanatic mailbag podcast. And we will talk to you again next week. Ah, oh, man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton.